0: got the two of us this week um so we we have been kind of talking uh throughout the week about you know what's what's happening out in the world and 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 we thought very seriously about being a a serious hard news current events podcast and, and going deep on Uh, the sort of unthinkable situation in Ecuador where an opposition presidential candidate was shot dead at a rally. Um, But I I don't think it will shock you to know that we would be pretty well out of our depth on that. Um, And and so our... (laughs) kind of the other thought The only,
1: The only <laughs> geopolitics I talk about is how stupid Tommy Tupperville is because that's that's <laughs> a local geography, unfortunately to me, nearly.
0: A position that all of us, apparently except the people of Alabama, can get behind. Um, but, yeah, so the, the other thing that was sort of top of mind for us t- to keep from... Doing another hour on that soccer game from 2011 um, is that I realized particularly in the last couple days uh, that I have been uh, refreshing one tab in my browser like an absolute insane person mm-hmm. um, and that tab is the uh, Liverpool FC subreddit uh, because it is the middle of the summer transfer window and every um, every bit of rumor and speculation and uh, piece of info that that leaks out from uh journalists and quote unquote journalists of varying levels of reliability um is like a sweet sweet uh bump of cocaine
1: mm-hmm. yeah it, it, this is uh and it it is not only in in international football where where we see this this is this is an amazing season of the NBA trades that are happening and not happening. In July, we we saw the NBA free agency open. Also, NFL camps are opening, and there are the leftover free agents where you go, okay, on the first day of practice, this person's knee exploded, and so we need a person. Or we decide that running backs are, are things that like chewing gum, you chew until they lose their flavor, and then you throw them out. And you wish you had never spoken to them ever. So there are all these contract decisions. And it's all happening at at once, it feels like, all these different things. And and you open up a, a tab, anything related to sports, and it's all this conjecture and speculation. And for me, this is the real fantasy sports time of year. This is where... You start to imagine a, <laughs> You imagine your team Or your favorite player in a better Place and it is A fascinating time Because everybody gets so Excited and throws back and Forth their thoughts or their takes um, And it almost Gets a bit competitive but there Are no trophies or Awards or anything this Time of year it is pure Speculation and Fantasy and yet Every year it gets bigger and bigger for me, I think.
0: Well, we are getting very close to Everton Cup time. Oh um, so, you know. But that's that's a it it is still a ways away.
1: That's the month of September. Yeah. Um or or Maryland, Maryland football, uh <laughs> you know, starting off like a rocket. <laughs> good job scheduling UVA in the first month. Maryland, you're you're gonna win by forty, look good. Yeah. Um, but like it, you know, the Premier League
0: starts this weekend.
1: It does starts in yeah. two days. Yeah, and that, that's a that's an amazing thing about it too. Is is I will say like this is the transfer window, and and I think that that's such a good place to start because it is it is a functional thing, but it is also a product in that everybody can write about the window as this. Tangible object that can be shut, that can be slammed shut, that can you know squeakily close as as the last deals go by. But I, I don't know. This is such a fascinating one because you have this sense of like preseason and getting ready and getting acclimated to your teammates. And yet the way that the Premier League and these other soccer leagues do it is that it goes right up into the last moment. So everybody is, I mean wondering who is going to take the field for their very first game. So that, I think, amps these feelings of anticipation up many, many multitudes of uh, magnification.
0: Yeah. It's kind of weird that, you know, that for a sport that has very hard periods on when you are allowed to... the, The specific mechanics of how the transfer window works, it's really, it's a window, it's two windows, one over the summer and one in January, where you can register new players into your team for the various competitions that you play in. But like for a sport that has, that structures it that way, it is really odd that it overlaps with parts of the actual playing season.
1: Yeah, so, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but I was thinking about this, and I think it is awesome and cool, and part of it could be I'm an American, and the way we do sports is, as far as contracts go, it is very socialist. From the way that a lot of things, there is a maximum contract, there's only so much money people can make, or there's a, a salary cap, so there's a limit to how effectively how much you can pay the total team um, also if you're very bad then you get the the best draft pick that's that's not late stage capitalism at all whereas <laughs> this this is two teams have to have to not only negotiate between each other how much they they value another person but then also to get that individual very individual level, they have to get that individual to agree to come to them and agree to terms to a contract. It's it's a lot more... It looks a lot more like how we pay people in the the U.S. And I think that you can adjust on the fly to your season to, to get after something. There are some rules and stipulations in a way that I think that there are more rails against that in, in a lot of these U.S. sports.
0: So the two big differences there. One is... Soccer doesn't have a draft system other than MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Shining example of why not. To do and, that. and so, so there, there's that. So there's, there's some, some freedom, at least in theory, there's some freedom in where you go at the beginning. All of this also, there's, and, and we won't get into all the stuff about academies where these, a lot of these elite players are like starting with clubs when they're teenagers. Um, but the other, the other really big difference is that there's no such thing whatsoever as a trade. Mm-hmm. You don't trade someone uh, in 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 football, but in, in all all American sports, if you trade a player, that player remains on their existing contract, and the contract transitions over to the new team. It's got to fit into the salary cap structure or whatever. Um. In club soccer around the world, the transfer fee, what you were doing is you were paying the club you're buying from to tear up their contract with the player. And and so every move is accompanied by a fresh new contract. Now, one of the things that we've learned over the last few years, and I, I think we've m- learned it perhaps most saliently from the misadventures of FC Barcelona, uh, is that there actually are financial guardrails in place. Uh, they, uh, it, they're they not that hard to stay within unless you are operating at a, a level of malpractice that almost has to be... Um, fraudulent and criminal somewhere along the line mm-hmm. um but but there are and they differ they sort of differ from place to place but there are rules in place like in the spanish league about how much you can pay players so there's not there's not a an individual maximum salary like there is in the nba but there is a salary cap that's based on your is just it's set at a team level yeah. rather than being
1: set at the league and, level, it's a little more and what I would tailor well, so to say that slightly differently, I would say that there is a for for I don't know if it's by league or by country, but in any case, there is a a kind of universal calculus of how you figure out what your salary cap will be. But because different teams get different amounts of revenue that the the ultimate number can vary greatly depending upon what um, inputs they have into that calculus but there is that whereas with american sports where you have a salary cap or a a pseudo salary cap in something like baseball um, it's just a number for everybody no matter if you're in a big market or a small market which big markets and small markets. That's, that's a lie. Don't, don't believe them. But truth, truth be told, like more people are buying Yankees jerseys than they are buying Diamondbacks jerseys. And that impacts the amount of money you have revenue wise. And then going back to the socialism, the Yankees, if, if, as they do every year, the Rays uh, are, are not spending a lot of money and, and aren't, uh, you know, generating that much revenue. Revenue is shared from the Dodgers, and the Yankees down to them so that, you know the owners still get a big profit yeah um but you know which which i think is and to come back to our our real point is like there are very different ways we get to this and yet the month of july and into august is very exciting for the nba where when you do a trade a thing that they can do The money has to match up because the contracts are are just being exchanged. Um, And and same thing for for the NFL. While they don't have a max salary for any player, um, you can only pay people – so much money so you get stuff like Justin Herbert is getting a new contract and Adam Schefter in a phenomenal uh, Twitter message explained the different types of guaranteed money uh, guarantee that is a word that has a meaning but he defined guaranteed at least three different ways in that to do with new guarantees and medical guarantees and total guarantees and, and overall contract guarantees and like there are so many mechanisms in, in place and yet, it's exciting across all these these leagues in this one time of year.
0: Yeah, I, the thing, the thing that I keep thinking about is like, why am I more excited about this stuff than I am about the return of games?
1: I I think it's because the season is long. And as soon as you start seeing the team, that fantasy you had is is kind of ruined. Um, exception being Erling Holland, he was exactly as much of a well. I will say there was one game in which he people asked questions, and it was his first game, which was the Community Shield. In which case, it, it, everybody who had a voice was like. Ah, I knew it. Darwin Núñez, he's going to be the real star. Erling Holland, overrated. And you know what? That was that was in some ways the the appetizer to to or or like just enough proof that you could be like, oh, I'm so excited. But the season is long, and it's going to sap some of that. So, you know, you put somebody in a new jersey in the um, in the NBA, or, or you have a trade, and like it's very exciting. Um, before before James Harden ever takes the, the court with the Nets you're going to be like oh that's going to be great he's going to be with Kyrie he's going to be with Katie and then you see it and you're like well he's getting slower and, and more rotund and the other two are space cadets who also get hurt all the time so now now my fantasy is ruined
0: yeah it's still it's still part of this uh, sort of trend that I find kind of troubling where over it it certainly feels like over my lifetime um fans have sort of increasingly aspired to be or at least carry themselves like they aspire to be um, front office executives Mm -hmm. rather than like they wish they were players or coaches or whatever. And and so there's this like altar of the transaction and and people, you know, uh, taking to the internet in droves to, you know, to count people's money and berate teams for making moves or not making moves in a way that I'm pretty uncomfortable with.
1: Yeah. So... I think that, and I had a, of all things, I had a work presentation not that long ago, and it was someone who who used to play, uh, I guess used to play soccer competitively. I don't know if it was in college or what. This is an older individual, and they were talking about how like their their dream job would be to basically be in in a front office somewhere, um, in soccer and or scouting in some way. But this is a person who specifically does like pricing as one of their big jobs. It's not an actuarial job, but it's about as close as you can get in my job, like knows, you know, how how prices work over time and everything else and all all these things. And I think that this time of year is especially inviting to that sort of person where you can assess value in a way that is is kind of is, is pretty nerdy. Now, I think that anybody can can work up the the knowledge and everything to be like this is why that was a successful pick and roll or um you know this is this is a great uh defense to play or this is the problem with the tampa two whatever like you can pick that up but it is such a time of year to like turn on that that value thing and kind of imagine a fit that is is kind of uh, removed from certain realities but you can imagine it because of the math you've done on a napkin or something like that and and i think that this yeah this time of year is just really ripe for that and increasingly we have data points and everything else to back you up so that you can be on a subreddit and be like aha this is why christian wood is perfect for the lakers and they can get him at the veteran minimum and and he will be worth this many wins or whatever and you know i think it helps conversation um in that there are there are more things you can point to and talk about but ultimately they're kind of silly conversations because it doesn't matter you're not you're not running the team and there's something more honest about genuine fandom of like this guy does cool dunks it's like that's fine that's totally fine but when you're like i I read this thing and now i am very knowledgeable all of a sudden um it's like well you're you're not going to make the decisions just enjoy the entertainment Uh, yeah i
0: we're, we're i feel like we're this, this is where we run into the problems, where you, like, you start focusing on the wrong things. There, there was a, a – uh, Nate Duncan is like a, a sort of prominent NBA Twitter type figure, and I can pinpoint the time that I said, you know what? This is not a person I need in my feeds anymore. I'm getting rid of this person for my life. And it was the time – it was the game – where I, I want to say rookie Anthony Edwards um, it dunked Yuta Watanabe into another dimension, mm-hmm. like put him in a time hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nate Duncan tweeted about how he was only like uh, three for 10 from three or something like that. It's like, motherfucker, stop. Yeah watch yeah. what's happening like we're we're talking about you know we're talking about soccer transfers there was a no-hitter the other day in yeah. baseball yesterday yeah. i think there was a no-hitter yesterday um uh, there was another no-hitter uh over the uh, over the weekend either over the weekend or like on monday um mm-hmm. there is actual cool stuff happening on sports fields the problem with this time of year is that they're only happening on baseball fields um
1: it's a dumb it's a dumb shape with with they run they run at rubber bags this is <laughs> this is a dumb sport there's no there's no goal you're hitting it into all the other sports there's like an area that you are stopping you know you're stopping them from going into and and this is this is not that way we well well We've said many times that baseball is problematic at, at at its core. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's still it's still cool though, and we could be sitting and enjoying it, but we're not. We're talking about things that we project and and be like, you know, this is the first, this will be the first player to do this, or this person has been, you know, the biggest transfer fee ever. It's it's all like it is all projection and and conjecture and, and everything else but i think also there's there's a bit of it's it's a product that is being fed to us now i know that technically nba free agency has been around as long as free agency has been around and same thing with the nfl and and they've always you know signed new players before camp start or into camp or whatever but i think that increasingly the offseason is a product because there is so much made about the drafts, the NBA and NFL draft, and for that matter, the NHL draft, too. Um, but there is really no offseason for the coverage and the entertainment of the sport. And the free agency period, this part of the offseason, is such a big deal now. And one thing I was thinking about, because this week uh, a lot has been made of some uh, investment made by a, a gambling house into ESPN is that this is the time of year when the lines come out, the odds come out for MVP. And uh, who's going to win the title, be it the Super Bowl or the NBA championship. The, and and there's, there are shows about the schedules. This is where that steam can start moving on the locomotive and people can like start placing bets for the season. And then you... Have them hooked in terms of like, oh, yeah, well, I said the Chiefs were going to repeat, so that's going to, you know, impact what I'm watching. I need to go check in on the Chiefs, and then I need to check in on their games. And, you know, the betting is more recent, but, like, getting you to stay tuned in when there's only one sport to watch, whether you like baseball or not, the lack of variety... um, is not great for these networks. So bringing that in is good for the NBA because we're talking about the NBA right now and they don't start, they don't start anything for over a month and it's good for the networks because more eyeballs are on there.
0: Yeah. I, I like, I, I'm torn. Cause I want to counter that with something like I want to counter that with something flippant and dismissive. Like, well why is it my job to care about what's good for the networks which is a thing i firmly believe in my heart um people should stop uh people should stop siding with the 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 giant businesses in their lives um and and that you know that comes down to sports too like stop evaluating uh your team's transactions in terms of what it means you know for for the team's bottom line um you know this is this inevitably happens uh, during the NCAA basketball tournaments particularly on the men's side and, and and a bunch of people turn into like media reporters for a while and, and are very invested in you know what the ratings are and and what um you know what matchups uh cbs or whoever would love to have for ratings purposes and i i didn't necessarily think about it all that much before but then i saw bomani jones pointing out like why the fuck does anyone who is watching this care about what the ratings are why do you give a shit if anyone else is watching it you know and that just it it hit me so hard in the right place i was like oh yeah wait this is weird why are we talking about this?
1: Well, it's it's in and, and there was something that was discussed. I, I don't remember if it was on True Hoop. No, it was probably a Defector. But a, a number of people have talked about it. It's the time of year where you talk about ratings and people get you know worried about them and they project out. It's the same thing. So there was the Hall of Fame game, which is a stupid, stupid football spectacle that is played in. Uh, I guess it's in August, but it's pr- basically July in Canton, Ohio on a not real football field or not real (laughs) football stadium. And the point that was made by, I I don't know who somebody on the internet was that, Oh, the, the ratings for this were, were way higher than, than NFL, um, the MLS or or not the NFL, the NBA finals or NBA playoffs and and all these other things. And it's like, I, I don't really, to, to what you're saying, it's like, and what, I, I mean, yes it's it's there's so much put into this and and so much preamble to this this nfl game yeah a lot of people are going to watch it it's also on normal terrestrial tv so you can just turn it on at any bar and like no one has to watch it but it counts as as views um i i, I don't know it just it's this weird thing of like projecting doom that's that's more or less what the ratings are are used for or and they only the NFL's case, projecting their dominance. It's like it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't signal anything changing. Um, What signals things changing is stuff like the uh, regional sports networks in baseball especially that are just folding left and right. That's a problem, and that's probably more like mismanagement on their end because, I don't know, I don't think any fewer people are watching sports. They just might be watching sports differently. So, yeah, what does that number matter? It doesn't really mean anything without like a real, um, a, a, a real way to compare it to other things. Cause what they did was saying like, it has more viewers than NF- MLS Cup. It's like, well, how many people watched the MLS Cup last year? Are they bringing in new viewers? Are they bringing in different viewers? we don't know that it's just a blanket number that does not mean anything. We don't know if it's a a real, you know, a real value or whatever the other word is that escapes me now. Like real, real money versus, uh, real dollars versus, um,
0: uh, nominal dollars. Yeah. Nominals.
1: Yeah. Real, you know, are these real, are these real views? Are these nominal views?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, all right, I, I I do I do think I feel a little better about you know uh, going full uh, Jack Nicholson uh, in in the departed into into the comical sugar bowl of transaction cocaine. Um, I feel a little better about that.
1: I, I I do I do want to defend it in a way that is is much simpler, which is that. Um, For all the ways that this is maybe a gross function on the part of people who want you to watch these things, Mm -hmm. um, I think that the wonder and the fantasy of it and the fantasy that's not like competing with your friends and collecting these group of people and rooting for them or rooting rooting against them in weird ways. This is like all wonder and fantasy. And I think that that is really great and and if that's what gets you as a as a kid to be like i really hope dame lillard comes to my favorite team which is the heat for unknown reasons like if that's what gets you hooked in that wonder is what keeps you going great and if you're someone who is you know our age and you're like oh uh moise's case because uh, i just tripped over a uh, kaisado is coming to liverpool and oh they have a a new jersey i'm excited to buy his jersey Mm because i like watching him like that's fine and that's good and if that's something that you can can daydream and get excited about no one is hurt by that as long as you don't get online and be like they overpaid for this person he's a bum and he's not worth anything it's like well they can pay it and also how much do you, like let's point fingers let's let's not do that Let, let's not point right. fingers at people's values It's
0: you're not it's not your job to bookkeep for your favorite sports teams yeah and that's that's the thing that's bad is when it drifts into that type of this behavior i yeah i can get behind that um <clears throat> okay you bring up moises Caicedo, and what seems to be a fast developing uh squabble between Chelsea and Liverpool over who's going to get to pay a very large pile of money to employ him for the next few years Um, in lieu of a trivia question this week since we don't have Max um, as I start to ask you this question we have been recording for exactly 30 minutes Mm -hmm. in that time how many times did I check my phone and refresh Twitter and or the Liverpool subreddit?
1: At least four. Seven. It's not like <laughs> I am out of control. Wait, what What is I think what is maybe the most fascinating part about the international football thing is that. There are so many different quote unquote sources and media people there. There are not as many with, you know, here in the U.S. or there are a couple that we really trust. But I feel like with with soccer, there are endless, boundless people who who you're like, oh, well, X said this. But then a through through Y are like, you know, telling you other things.
0: It's yeah, it's to the point where, like, if you if you were doing this through Reddit every sort of team subreddit basically has like a tier list over time where where the moderators and the the you know the non mod sort of community members collaborate each year to essentially rank the pundits in terms of how reliable they are <laughs> for news for that club so like it it's it is a real thing and so like each each post will be tagged with a tier and sometimes it's an outlet that's not a high tier for your club, but they're they're generally considered reliable for the sort of club that you'd be buying from or selling to. And yeah. so like all that stuff gets noted. It really is kind of an impressive ecosystem. You just have to not read too many of the comments below it. That's this yeah. is all what this always comes back to. Is stop reading internet comment sections.
1: Yeah. What you've just described is is five thirty eight by another name. How are they doing? <laughs> How's 538 <laughs> how what's their record well 538 doesn't well,
0: th- sorry f- these don't like tout themselves to be uh very scientific or anything like that
1: yeah and but that is how we get to the bad part of this fantasy time of year because the I, i'm not picking on the nerds because it's me but people who have all of this data decide that they are they are the gatekeepers of which fantasies are relevant and which are not. Mm. And that does take the fun out of, like, <laughs> basically, what if Kevin Durant was on the Warriors? Well, he was, and it was pretty good and awesome. And, you know, that's a thing that, you know, a kid imagines while they're shooting in their backyard. Um, that's good until it gets gatekeepy yeah. about like, well well this is my ELO rating says this or oh, I think they have God. Raptor nope. and LeBron. Nope,
0: now that now that we've said ELO rating, that's the magic that's the magic word uh where we have to stop um uh, and and move on to uh Pierce's sorry So what are you apologizing for today?
1: Um so this is a thing we we may have to revisit down the road is I've I've been going back and watching Episodes of Good Eats from the from the beginning, oh, which is cool. a very fun thing because it is in part set in Georgia and near me. So there will be places that still exist but are from 20 years ago. And I'll be like, oh, I know that place or I've been there, which is such a silly thing. But for a cooking show, it's a unique thing. Um, but one thing that happened is I watched an episode where they make biscuits and um, it is – Alton Brown and his grandmother and it is a delightful episode and you know any more biscuits are treated as like a lot of other food for the working class it has been um, reappropriated by or it has been appropriated by people who want to fancify foods and it, it gets kind of overwrought and they make really simple biscuits that seem delightful. And I was like, I, this is, this is a breadish ish product, things that I have experience with, but I've always been hesitant to make biscuits and they feel like there's a lot of pressure and I get nervous about them, but I said, I'm going to do this. This doesn't look that hard. They talk about it as something that is made every morning. And it's like, it can't be that hard if you make it every morning. So I get my notebook and I write down the recipe because that's how I like doing it. And I go ahead and make the recipe. And and out of the oven comes um, some really excellent looking biscuits. So I'm eating them. We're eating them in my household. And there's a comment, like, these, these don't taste right. Do you, can, you, can you taste it? Um, and I tasted it. And I was like, oh. And I'm looking at the recipe. And I'm like, I followed the recipe. I did the recipe right. And I made them again yesterday. And they turned out really well. And everything was great. Now, in between those two periods, and a big reason why I made them again, I will say, biscuits are not that hard to make. Um, the recipe is very simple. Go get, uh, what is it, a white, white lily fly, f- flower uh, that's like the very southern brand. Um, you can use the thing on the back of that. What you need to be careful of is if you copy it in a notebook and write down um, the recipe, uh, understand your own handwriting because... If you read one instead of one slash four, you will accidentally put one teaspoon of baking soda when it calls for a quarter teaspoon of baking soda. And if you do that, you will get a very acrid, bitter flavor on otherwise beautiful biscuits. So don't be intimidated. Just follow directions as they are supposed to be written.
0: Well, uh, yeah, this is this is not a an apology about following directions. This is an apology about uh, we're all adults and kind of have no excuse to not have legible handwriting.
1: Yeah. It wasn't even, it, it, it wasn't even the legibility that was an issue. It was the very quickly being like, okay, next thing. And seeing one, it, it, if anything, it's probably my eyesight. That's probably the real indictment here is mm. my eyesight called okay. household biscuit trauma and that was avoidable (laughs) um but yeah go 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 make biscuits and like they don't need to look like i don't know cantilevered uh wooden homes or whatever people make them like it's it's a it's a food people put in their pockets to go work in the yard like eh, the the appropriation of what
0: i've never even thought of that that's amazing
1: yeah it's it's like they like th- them being soft, they're supposed to be soft on the inside because like they have to be durable you either you eat them quickly or you bring them with you with stuff inside, and it's just it's like. I think it stays oh, together. Oh, yeah. better we're, than, now yeah. we're,
0: we're starting to talk about like hardtack and, and that sort of stuff.
1: Well, yeah. even, even regular, even regular biscuits. Like they don't have to be completely falling apart, but they are, they are, it's grab and go food. Not like, yeah. Hey, everybody gather around the table at 1130 on a Sunday and make, uh, make a holiday out of it. Basically.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, no, that's, that's good and and don't uh you know get your eyes checked if you need uh don't over baking soda your biscuits um and and make sure that you know if you're an adult your your handwriting is is readable even for people with bad eyesight um i think those are things that we can generally all get behind um yeah all right uh the big idea from pop culture this week Um, it's been a, it's been a bit of a rough week. There's been, been a lot of, um, a lot of sort of famous, uh, well, I say a lot. There, there's been some, some notable, uh, music deaths in the last Mm -hmm. week or so. Um, and the, the big one is Robbie Robertson from the band and, uh, this I think would be a great occasion to go back and uh, reread essays by Hanif Abdurraqib and Stephen Haydn about the Last Waltz. Yeah. Uh, those those two essays are specifically, I believe, about um, the Last Waltz as a holiday movie and specifically a Thanksgiving movie. So hmm. it's a, it is a little bit. Temporally weird but uh but I, I still it it's it's the right time to go back and, and revisit this so i'll I'll put links to those in the show notes um but also uh a musician by the name of Sixto Ros- uh, Rodriguez died, and he is someone who was uh very obscure as an american musician in the 70s and then he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth but his music got really popular in south africa of all places
1: yeah and i would i would also say you used disappeared and this that's a, this is totally a if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it does it make a noise because he didn't really disappear it's just no one cared no one was looking hmm. for him it's except true. Until, uh, 2012, when a documentary
0: called "Searching for Sugar Man" was released, uh, that, Senator, I now I, I am, I am saying this having not seen it, but the, the occasion of, Rodriguez's death, I think is is maybe going to be the the push that I need to finally watch it, uh, mm-hmm. but these two, uh, I believe it's two South African guys sort of go on a quest. They 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 hear rumors that he's that Rodriguez is already dead as of the early 2010s. And so they try to get to the bottom of this and and figure out is he still alive? Uh you know why why is he so obscure like uh, you know uh, and and so uh, it's a shame, you know, it's a shame that he's no longer with us, but you know i'm i'm looking forward to you know to engaging with this now even though it's probably 10 years too late
1: yeah uh, and and i have seen it because i've seen most music documentaries oh, good. um so it it is it is a good one i, I find it to be uh it's it is it is about people and, and how they come together and stuff. And so that it's it's really good. Much better than the King Crimson documentary that I just watched, which is <laughs> terrible for reasons that don't need to be discussed here. But um, if you ever need a recommendation for uh, music documentaries, I will tell you where the good ones are.
0: Perfect. Uh, all right. Uh, no trivia. So that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. Uh, You can also subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening.